EMS One Academy, a training solution designed for EMS chiefs, offers more than 200 courses and 250 hours of continuing education. Our modern learning solution includes flexible reporting capabilities and features to upload agency-specific courses and track credentials for recertification. Easily streamline daily administrative workflow with EMS One Academy. Start your free trial. Visit www.emsoneacademy.com slash insideems. Well, it's that time of the week again to go inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Sabalero. We're coming to you live from the lobby at the Cincinnati Marriott as we are going around the United States and doing some education, but I can't go too much further without my good friend, my companion, yes, my buddy, Kelly Grayson. KG, how are you doing? I'm great, man. I'm capital. It's nice to be here in Cincinnati and sitting alongside you once again. And man, whatever cologne it is you're wearing... You smell terrific. He just loves my cologne. I'm going to have to send you some of that for you Christmas. One, Christmas you is are coming. one sexy, sexy man. You know that? I am. I am. I, I appreciate that. And uh, why are you looking at me like that? It looks like we're going to be picking out <laughs> furniture in the morning, but I don't uh, like that. I'm not comfortable. We're, we have a guest, Kelly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we want to go ahead and bring that guest in. He is actually the reason that you and I get to talk to the audience every week, our good friend, the co-founder of EMS One, Chris Call. Chris, how are you? Oh, man. Well, first of all, uh, Kelly, you're right. I can't get over the smell, the great smell <laughs> of Chris Silvalero. And it's just, it's just a virile yet clean manly smell. Virile yet clean. I think that's what <laughs> the name of it should be. Um, yeah, virile and clean. That's, that's my cologne. Not, it's not virulent clean. No, virulent, virulent, oh, and virulent clean. and clean. Okay, I knew it was something like that. And more importantly, thanks for having me because we are, you're, you said it right, right? We're actually at an EMS conference. It's uh, put on by St. Elizabeth's Hospital uh, out of northern Kentucky in the Cincinnati area. And they put on a great show with yeah. a lot of great people here that are just paying it forward. That was kind of what we were talking about earlier, paying it forward. Right. And I think that that's one of the things, I mean, it was, as we figure out what we're going to talk about today, you know, there are leaders in EMS that really have to kind of step up and really have to kind of help take this career field kind of to the next level. But with that said, we need to be able to mentor. We're kind of talking about this today, Chris. We, we need to kind of mentor the people who are out there and kind of help them get to the next steps when it comes to their career and, and how they go. You know, Kelly, you and I, we've been doing this show. It's going to be four mm-hmm. years in, in April. How much longer do we go? Do we need to start thinking about succession planning? Do we need to start thinking about the, the next crew or the next Saturday Live crew for the Inside EMS podcast? But when we think about mentorship, you know, Kelly, let me ask you first. Are we doing a good enough job in our career field to get people prepared for the next phase in their careers? I don't think we are as a profession. Um, in the last two years, uh, almost three years coming up, uh, it's been a pleasure to mentor you. Oh, um, my God. So, uh, but, but do we get the opportunity or do we take the opportunity to do that uh, in our careers uh, and our, our peers on the street? I don't think so. Uh, I think EMS tends to eat its own young more than it does to develop uh, new talent. You can always tell the, the successful agencies have figured that out, uh, and the unsuccessful ones still still uh, operate under that eating our own young paradigm. Chris, what do you think? I mean, so you, you did a class today. I was very impressed. And you were kind of talking about the, the failures in EMS 
And one of those failures is that we don't take care of each other and we kind of, uh, you know, uh, make people maybe feel like they don't need to be here uh, within the career field. So, I mean, what do you think about the mentorship thing and how do we go about, you know, taking care of the people who are out there? I mean, you know, it, the leaders in EMS just shouldn't be setting the standard for running EMS systems or training individuals or teaching them. Yep. Yeah, shouldn't right. we be doing more than that? And how do we, we do walk it? in the wall? Well, that, that's a big question, and, and I think I always go back. I was talking to colleagues last night at dinner, and they said, when you, uh, when you take a physician, and they get through medical school before they're in their doctor, but they actually haven't even seen a patient yet, mm -hmm. you put a white jacket around them, you prop them up, and you say, you're not going to know everything, but you're going to have colleagues that you can ask for a second opinion. In fact, we're not going to say that you're an expert, we're going to have you practice it your whole life. Mm -hmm. And then in paramedic school or nursing school, they're like, look to your left, look to your right. One of these people, maybe you, won't make it through. Yeah. Shut up, be quiet, sit backwards on the fire truck, clean until, spoken until, spoken to. You know, you walk through all these things. Um, and then you couple that with the reality that I started in EMS at age 19. And I was just testing for the National Registry these students that are 18, 19, 20. I'm like, I wonder how much we've shared with them about what they're really getting into. Other, other than this gripe about their lack of work ethic and, and, and all the failings we see with the, with the millennial generation. Well, hang on a second. Before you say that, it, are we really seeing failings or are we allowing the egotism of the people who are there before them, as Chris just mentioned, to tell them to shut up, to oh, not yeah. give them the voice to speak up? So, That's the, exactly what we're Because doing. the research is going to show that the millennials aren't really lazy, but are we creating the environment that's just not letting them flourish? That's exactly what's I, happening. Yeah. I think we're, we're creating that environment. Paul Combs had a great cartoon on this, um, where it's the, the aging baby boomer sitting lethargically in his lazy boy clicking the television. He's saying, you kids these days, you're not even worth my effort to, to mentor and to, and to guide. Uh, you're lazy, you're unmotivated, you're not worth the effort. And the millennials tell them, isn't that what your parents' generation said about you? And it's it's absolutely true. Um, we got to be nicer to them. we got to mentor them. Uh, they're going to be the people picking out our nursing homes, after all. But we, we belittling them is not doing the job. So what, so what happened? Because I talked to a chief today. He had 25 years, uh, retired as a fire as a firefighter, then went over and spent the last five years as a chief in another department. And he said, wait, we were saying these guys are eating their young, they're crotchety, they're old, the tradition, this is the way we do it, this is, you know, why would we do it any other way? And he's like, 25 or 30 years later, I'm like, it's the same. We actually yeah. groomed ourselves to your succession planning. We groomed ourselves to recreate that wheel for the next generation and next generation. Yeah, and one of the things that we need to think about is, you know, that we've got to change really, I think, the whole structure of what the emergency medical services and the fire service really look like. And, you know, the days of command and control and leaning from a position of authority, they're over. And we've got to be able now to put ourselves in a position to kind of take care of each other. Now, one of the things that's got me excited about this new movement to community paramedicine is we're getting to write the history we're getting to write what this looks like. Because we look at how EMS was set up, you know, 52 years ago, and we can point a finger to all the things that were wrong that led us to today. 
Well, we don't want people 50 years from now to look back on us, to point a finger at us, to say, oh boy, those guys really screwed the pooch on this one. And I think that this really has to be, guys, this really has to be the transformation that moves us to a true career field and really kind of puts us in a position that we're able to say, I'm truly proud to be part of this, uh, you know, part of this uh, career as we move forward. And I don't know, there's a lot of people saying that. I think people like... Kelly Grayson and, and Chris Call and Chris Subalero and the and the people that have made this career over the past 25, 30 years, you can't get us out of it. But there are people who are in it now that can't wait to get out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, Nancy points this out very well. She's uh, and she's called me out on it as as a Gen X. I am uh, I'm one of the harshest uh, generations uh, criticizing millennials. Uh, and she makes the point that baby boomers and millennials have a lot more in common than, than Gen X and millennials. Um, and, and she dispels a lot of the, the myths about the millennial generation that we need, to, we need to dispel them as well and embrace the things that they do well and the things they do differently. You know, we talk about mentoring people and we talk about guiding them and, and helping shape their careers. Um, they can help shape ours as well. You know, you think about it, the, the new generation, we talk so much about their lack of work ethic and they're so self-centered and, and, and neither of those things is true. What they do have, far better than you or I or Chris had, is a better concept of work-life balance. They're not going to work themselves to death, um, put themselves into early retirement, early knee injury or back injury or grave, and get nothing out of the deal other than a paycheck. Um, I don't see that as a wrong thing, yeah. you know. They're Brilliant. not gonna Brilliant. they're not gonna eat a crap sandwich because they're getting paid for it. They're just gonna vote with their feet and move elsewhere. And we we look at that as lack of work ethic, and I think that is more like uh, more like um, standing up for the right thing, you know. Hmm. How many That's how many good. how many times have you seen people say, "Oh my, you know." You, you kids these days with your fatigue mitigation policies and you don't want to work the 20, 48, 72-hour shifts. Uh, you know, you knew EMS was like this when you got into it. But adapting to the current workforce, agencies are starting to have to rethink those those policies. And that's for the good of all of us, I think. Yeah, I think, Chris, you, you in your class, you brought something up that I think was really interesting. And I, I'd like you to kind of expound on that, if you could. And one of the things you said is we're really not preparing the people who are coming into EMS with the reality of what EMS should be. And you brought up some really good points. And go ahead and share those with the listeners because I think that it would be really good to get some of the listeners' take on this because I was really kind of enthralled with your pontification on this topic. <laughs> right. You were enthralled with my pontification? Yeah. On this point. Okay, so... Chris, it's it's it's... Apparently, it's word of day. Uh, word pontification is the word of day. Everybody try to use pontification in your daily uh, uh, life. Yeah. Enthralled but, was yesterday's word of the day. Chris is right. trying to catch up. So I'm trying to put them all together and make a <laughs> sentence. Well, I had a number of factors, right? I had a number of what I called uh, failure factors. Not that the people are failing, but we're setting them up to fail yeah. by not mentoring them, by uh, not giving them a reality of what's going to happen. But one, I think what you might be talking about, Chris, and, and uh, join in the conversation if I'm off, but I, I brought up a young student who I just put through the National Registry, and the, the scenario was an anaphylactic reaction. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there, and while this gal did everything technically correct and passed, by and large, the majority of those students were 
not in their 30s or 40s and haven't lived life and been to the circus. They actually were 19-year-old, 20-year-old, 21, who are barely using the EpiPen the right way. You know, yeah. the fact that half of them didn't stab themselves with the needle was like a win. A win. <laughs> but yet, they are just getting ready to embark on seeing depravity, mm -hmm. the worst of the worst. All the horrors that man can visit on his fellow man. Yep. The nice house, well-kept, manicured house on the inside. Sadness and abuse and neglect on the inside of that house. Uh, unfair that children are in a car and it gets hit in a crash and people die unfairly. The unjust of the world. The, the fact that we keep going to the same call time and time again, but we actually don't have the power to actually alter that person's future mm -hmm. or we feel like we're helpless. None of these are in the textbook. Yeah. None of these are being talked about. Just death and dying. Yeah. Uh, the ability to walk through, I'm 19, 20 years old, and I'm talking to loved ones about their child, and that we're the last person they saw when we left in the ambulance. We're the mm -hmm. first person they see in the hospital. They're like, what happened? And then you take those home, and we have a culture of we can't talk about it. If you don't like it, you knew what you were getting into, which I would argue they didn't. But yeah. we're like, hey, if you, if you don't like it, get out. They go home, their sadness, and I start talking to you about some of the research that's showing that we contemplate suicide at 10 times the average. Yeah, you know, and, and that brings up an excellent point. One of the, the criticisms of the current generations is they're all special snowflakes and they're fragile, emotionally fragile, and, and, and they can't handle the emotional and psychological trauma of the, of the things we see in EMS. And, you know, the Army has done a great deal of research on this topic. And, and PTSD, uh, psychological trauma is nothing new. We called it shell shock, shell shock and battle fatigue back in the day. Audie Murphy, for Christ's sakes, suffered from PTSD. Um, but we pretended it's a new thing and it's, it's a, a flaw in the current generation's makeup. Um, when the reality is, is, is these people feel this more acutely or deal with it poorly because they don't have a family and a support system like previous generations had. Uh, they don't have the support system and the network uh, to develop emotional resiliency. And the really sad thing about it is, is that EMS and, and the more experienced peers could be mentors to them and could be that network, but we're not doing it. We're right. not doing it. You know, I think that there's a couple things here. You know, from what Chris is saying, we're not really preparing people in initial training and that curriculum needs to change so we can start talking about really the stress and, and how to manage that stress and to know that this is a normal process and, you know, you're human and you can have these feelings. You know, from your standpoint, you know, you're talking about mentorship, Kelly, and, and you're talking about how to, you know, kind of bridge that gap. Uh, there is a challenge, though. I mean, so when we think about, you know, when I was younger and on the ambulance and we would see a really horrible call, we would come back to the station and we'd be like, what the heck did we just see? And we would sit there and we would talk about it. We'd talk about the rights and the wrongs that we did and how could we have done better. Mm -hmm. And But today's generation, there is a fault. Yeah. And one of those faults is they're not talking about those calls. They're getting right on their phones and they're texting mm -hmm. and, they're, and they're surfing and they're Facebooking and they're doing all these other things and they're Snapchatting. And they're not having that integration with those veterans who are able to say, yeah that this is what you should be feeling and this is why. Now, will that make a difference? I don't know if it makes a difference, but right from the very beginning, Chris, I think that we are setting off with a communication issue that the older folks don't know how to help bridge with the newer generation 
who's all into that technology. That's true. It's hard to be relatable to the unrelatable. And, and they, they do communicate differently, right? They, uh, Facebook, my daughter's on Facebook, not because it's cutting edge, but because grandma, my mom, is on it. And so she has to be on it. I'm like, wait, but that's social media. That's that's all new stuff, <laughs> you know, because the phone was connected to the it's wall like when I got Dad, <laughs> it's like nine years old. <laughs> like, they don't even know anything different. Um, we're that generation that are the ones who are getting fired from our job because we're posting inappropriate things online. And that Their generation, I would argue, won't get in trouble with that because this is the culture of the way they communicate. Mm -hmm. The question I think you're asking is like, how do you bridge that and, and meet their needs where they're at when that's just not the way we've done it before? This whole online, the, the Google of, that you guys talk about, how do we connect with people? And, and is it that they have to change? Is it that we have to change? The probably answer is yes. Yeah. But who's going to go first? Yeah, it, it's an interesting paradox in that we're, we're the most interconnected human civilization's ever been. You know, we have the sum total of human knowledge at our fingertips, yet we use it to watch porn and, and funny cat videos. Um, uh, Hopefully not in that order. <laughs> or funny cat video porn. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Rule 43, folks. Um, but... The, the funny thing is, even though we're so interconnected, we're also, we, we let it isolate us. We're lonely. You know? Yeah, we're, we're lonely. we've ever been. And, and, Come on, and, I don't know that that's no, true. Dude, it is. It is. Well, let me tell you when I study can tell I'm study depressed. After study after study. I can tell you when I, I'm in the depths of my depression. When I've got an open Microsoft Word window with a title for an EMS quantum column at the top, and rather than writing it, I am sitting on my beanbag chair in my underwear eating Cheetos and making drive-by Facebook comments at 3 a.m. because that's what passes for human interaction for me when I'm depressed. But the, the thing is, is it's, it's a double-edged sword. I've also had people who, can, who will reaffirm my faith in humanity every single time. People I've never met who will message me up and say, hey, I, I listen to your podcast and I listen to you in Cibolero and, and and I read your stuff and I got a call I want to run past you. And it gives us the opportunity to do that. Uh, the question is, is are we receptive to, to being that that person? Yeah, I guess know? I can see your point. I mean, because my depression comes weekly when I do the introduction <laughs> of we are now going inside EMS and I've got to hang out with Kelly Grayson. Good thing it's only situational. Oh, right? my goodness. <laughs> it is, it's just, I mean, but it, it hangs, it lingers, it lingers. Although you look good right now, not wearing any clothes in your underwear, sitting next to us. No, Cheetos. And it takes a brave man to do that in a hotel lobby, folks. I hope I you appreciate you, this. People are looking at us. We just have to tell them that this is a special case and everything will be okay. But, you know, so uh, let, let me ask you this then. I mean, so we've touched on a couple of things now and We've spent almost 20 minutes kind of outlining issue, but what's the solution? I mean, so Chris, from your experience now, and you're on the speaking scene now, and you're going to be doing more speaking, and you and I were talking about, you know, as you're going to grow your brand over the next year, so you need to have some answers. So you're going to be the guy who's going to be in front of a room identifying the challenges. What are you going to give them for solutions? Oh, man. Yeah. You, you just made a... You jumped... Uh, quite a bit from bringing up the problem to finding solutions. And I don't know if I'm going to find the solutions, but I actually want to start that conversation. Um, going back to what Kelly just said, we are really, really, really connected. Um, and we have at our fingertips people who want to pay it forward, but don't know how or haven't been given that voice. Yeah. So my focus is, one, 
let's just start talking about this. The fact that I was talking about some of these things, it was a pretty somber. What It wasn't meant to be. It was supposed mm-hmm. to be a lighthearted fun. These are the failures where I got to. A lot of people are like, wait, you started EMS1, Paramount.com. You're doing all these great things. Facebook only shows the great things. You were on a beach, like blah, blah, blah. I'm like, wait. So I started this with, these are all the failures. These are every time that I thought I was going to leave EMS or that I wasn't the right fit or I wasn't going to make it in this group. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, when people are like, oh, if it wasn't for EMS One to give me a national audience to share my thing, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, wow, that may not have happened. I yeah. don't know. But how many people were or are right now just one step away from walking away from this industry? And what role do we have to play in that? And how can we turn that around? So, Kelly, what about you? I mean, so if we think about having solutions to this, I mean, you're, you, you sit in the truck, man, and yeah. you... And you train and you mentor and you... so. But what's the answer? I mean, how do you touch the people that need to be touched in a good way and really kind of be the mentor to them and, and really kind of bring the, bring the people within the organizations around to saying that, you know, this is the right thing to do and we finally need to start doing the right things? Yeah. I think it starts with the individual. You know, I started a year or two ago... Uh, divorcing myself from from the rancor that I see in social media and trying to be uh, emphasis on the uh, on the social part of, of social media rather than being anti-social and 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 uh, listen to the better angels of my nature rather than the snark uh, and and the verbal uh, evisceration I can, I can Kelly, upon people. try to be funny <laughs> try to be engaging yeah, try to be engaging be a jerk <laughs> jerk sells um, but it's embracing the good things that we can do. And, and, and that's a personal choice. Happiness is a choice. Kindness is a choice. Mm-hmm. And all too yeah. often, it's easier to be a prick. It, 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 it often is. You know, we can talk, and, and, and that tough exterior that we, we cultivate, that things don't bother us at all, um, that may shield you psychologically for a brief period of time, but what it really does is isolate you. I can't tell you, and I'm sure you can say the same thing, I can't tell you the number of people at different conferences, including this conference, who have come up to me after a talk and said, man, Confessions of an EMS Newbie got me through EMT school. Inside EMS is something I listen to every single week. And I, and I really look up to you guys and I appreciate the, the viewpoints that you have. You know, that's my battery recharge right there. Every time I go to one of these conferences or every time someone messages me on social media and asks me what I think, uh, and often it's something as simple as just saying, hey, brother, I've been there. Uh, I've, I've felt what you felt, and no, there's nothing wrong with you for feeling that way. Um, so I think uh, uh, it, it starts with the individual making a choice to be a steward of their profession and, and a resource uh, for other people rather than, than focusing inward and... and talking about how EMS has ruined us. So, well, what do you think, Chris? I mean, you're asking us, but you sat in in the audience as the heckler in the back to my presentation. He's a good heckler, though. Yep. And he was throwing out <laughs> the questions, but what would you do? If, if this is your world, and you're like, things have got to change, yeah. and one guy's going to yeah. do it. Chris's legion of flying monkeys has completed his quest for world domination. Stuff's going to change. What's going to change? You know, I think the things that we need to look at, you know, from a leadership standpoint is we need to be able, one, to be the change that we want to see. And that means that we need to be able to talk to people. We need to be able to get their opinions. And we need to be able to break the 
you know, the barriers down that allow for innovation, for inspiration and motivation to happen. You know, we can't motivate anybody. Motivation is internal, but we can break the barriers down that make that happen. Secondarily, we've got to give people the, the, the forum that they're able to stand up and say, you know, let me go ahead and show you the way. Right now in EMS, we are so egotistical that anytime we talk about somebody's call or anytime we ask them about their call, the first thing they want to do is put two fists up and, and go into a defensive posture. Yeah, you weren't there. You don't know. Yeah, that's like, right. Hey, you ain't seen what I've seen, man. But one of the things that we've true. got to think about now is we've got to think about that, you know, I have seen a few things, and but it's how we approach that. It's not saying, why did you do what you did? Saying, man, that sounded like a tough call. Yeah, I mean, walk me through it so I can learn from it. Exactly. And, and you don't want to be able to talk. When it comes to, you know, the things that we don't do well enough, and one of the things that makes mentorship successful is coaching. Mm -hmm. And you need to be able to coach people. And one of the things that is really important is I want to be able to teach the people who are around me those skills and, you know, the the idiosyncrasies of how to coach. And then you start to mentor. Mm -hmm. Remember, mentorship, all you're doing is sharing wisdom. You know, in, in my book, Ultimate Leadership, 10 Roles for Success, number seven is experience comes from mistakes and mistakes come from lack of experience. Mm -hmm. It's those mistakes that you make. It's those failures you have. It's the reflection on those failures that give you the wisdom right. that you have. And, and then experience a, doesn't have to be personal to be valuable. Right. It can be someone else's experience. No, exactly right. But we're not using that. So no. what I would do is I want to empower people. I want to inspire them. I want to motivate them. And then I want to break the barriers down that cause people not to be successful in that arena. And then, I don't know, I, I mean, I think individually that works, but we've got to be able to do it more globally as a career field. And if we look at ourselves as leaders of the career field, what's our responsibility to making this happen for our career field? And I think, Kelly, you know, we do this show every week. Are we being responsible to our career field to say, these are the things that need to change? Uh, I think uh, our focus needs to turn outward rather than inward. Uh, that's easily said, not so easily done, when so much of our college, so many of our colleagues are still worrying about the next, pay learning their craft from patient to patient mm -hmm. and paying their bills from paycheck to paycheck. Uh, it, it's easy to say, um, uh, focus on, on what your role is in EMS and, and where the profession is going. Um, it's easy for us to say because we're at that point in our careers. Um, what it's not easy to do is for someone who's still paying bills uh, to do that. So using our platform, I think, is, is one of the most responsible things we can do, is, is try to advocate and help people get to that point. Um, you know, I'll give a shout-out to EMS-1 here. You know, 12 years ago, somebody thought enough of my writing and my, and my ability to communicate to give me a shot on EMS-1. That was Chris Call. Oh, my goodness. Well, no, I'm, I'm not kissing Chris's butt. I've kissed it before in the past. Right, so it's fantastic. It's, it's, it's already, it. yep. already thank kissed. You, thank you, thank you. Um, but, but the beauty of that is is, it, is they still have that ethos where they will give people, if they have something powerful to say, doesn't matter what your name is, they will still give you the opportunity to say that and give you the same platform that they gave me. All it requires is you having the bravery to go out and say it and to, to craft your, your message well. Um, and that's the nice thing about being in, in the position I'm in, in now. I would like more people to be in that position. You know, so Chris, I think as we, we think about this mentorship topic and this failure topic and this growth topic, I mean, if you have a final thought, uh, what do you want to share with the audience? A final thought. It's, I mean, the show's going to go a lot longer if you repeat the questions. 
a final thought. And so I don't want a final thought. I think my final thought is not a final thought. The final thought is what can we do to pay it forward? We built a distribution medium with an audience that is yearning for good clinical medicine, succession planning, mentoring, a voice. I think that we've shut down people on the voice. So what is, what is our opportunity and what is the next chapter? When I talk about it from a technical standpoint, I don't even care to know what the latest thing will be in six months or a year and plan two, five years from now because it'll be different than what I was expecting to be. I do want us to be adaptable and I think Kelly uh, nailed it when he said, we need to give a voice to those who haven't had a voice before. We need to actually spend in our mentoring less time talking and more time listening and guiding. Yeah. All right, man, you heard it straight from the horse's mouth. That's right. And if we think about ourselves in uh, in time, you know, we are getting up there. So I want to be a good steward of time <laughs> and not take up any more. But KG, uh, I think it's about that time to uh, put a wraps on I'm another trying. live episode. We don't do it often, but here we are together live. And uh, I got to tell you, I mean, uh, I think you need some different color. Those white underwear got to go, and I think you got to get some colors, man. But you do look marvelous, simply well, marvelous. I, I appreciate that. Uh, and and, and I, I know you speak the truth. But, hey, that's what I think. We want to hear what you think. You've heard from Chris. You've heard from me. You've heard from, from the other Chris. Uh, email us at the show at ems1.com. And for myself, guest Chris Call, and the always wonderful-smelling Chris Sevalero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>